Hello, and welcome to Faith Outside the Box, where we share faith journeys that take us in unexpected directions. I'm your host, Jan Engmeyer. On our show today, you're going to hear how God can bring two people from very different backgrounds together to do God's work, working to heal a community struggling with violence and poverty. James and Natalie Crockett are husband and wife raising nine children, and they are the co-founders of C247 Father's Arms Ministries in Chicago's Rogers Park neighborhood. Thanks for taking the time to share your stories. James, you grew up on the south and west sides of Chicago. Tell us about your life and your community. Well, on the south side of Chicago uh, in the 80s, uh, the early 80s, uh, Stayway Garden Projects was riddled with violence and uh, drug dealing and uh, a lot of a lot of other things. And uh, so it was like really tough just growing up there. You know, the men and, and the women that we looked for, look, well, looked up to, you know what I'm saying? Like, wasn't, you know what I'm saying, the best role models. <laughs> so it's just like, uh, so as, you know what I'm saying, like they said, you a product of your environment. I just feel like, you know what I'm saying, I, be, I start um, like mimicking the men that I uh, that I grew up with in my community. But your mom was a faithful Christian, right? So, what was your relationship with God when you were young? It was very strong, you know. My mom was like a, a uh, like this a firm believer in God, and uh, I remember uh, us uh, going to church uh, on a the red line train uh, from the south side to to the uh, west side of Chicago every Sunday, you know what I'm saying? That was quite a journey, probably about 45 minutes to an hour and every Sunday. Oh and yeah. not just on Sundays, but we went to a lot of uh, uh, midweek services and stuff like that. So we'll go to church on the train probably about three, four times a week. Um, yeah, so like uh, 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 shut-ins and all, all this kind of uh, thing that was happening in my mom's church, uh, she was just a diehard believer. She was a prayer woman. They they call her a prayer warrior. I remember just like her, her friend, Sister White, used to be on the phone continuously praying and fasting and, um, you know, just for for their kids, you know. And uh, my mom always kind of uh, highlighted that, you know, my talents and skills, you know what I'm saying, that I didn't see at the time, Uh that you know what I'm saying that God had a purpose for my life. But what was your relationship at that point with God? Uh at that point with God, it was just like I believe what my mom believed, you know. Uh I didn't I you know I went to uh Bible, I mean uh uh like children Bible study and stuff like that, you know, so I I, I had an awareness of it, you know what I'm saying, like, but not a full understanding of what it all meant. I just know my mom really believed hard and I just I just looked at it as fat. And your mom saw something in you that you hadn't figured out for yourself yet, which moms are usually pretty good at. So you went to church several times a week, but you also joined a gang because um, you wanted some sort of sense of belonging. Why couldn't you or didn't you find that in a church? That wasn't a focus point of church. I guess uh, they kind of like leaned on the person that was running Bible study to tap into those areas, but um, that just that just wasn't the case for us. It was just like we're gonna read this Bible verse, we're gonna memorize it. It's, it wasn't personal. It wasn't relational. You know, it was more like, 
you know, I said a responsibility, you know, I said that they was carrying out. So, um, so that's probably why it never happened in the church. I, I grew up in a single parent home. So my father was barely present, like, uh, um, and uh, I didn't have no one to teach me anything about being a man or a man of God. Um, so like I gravitated to the gangs because like, you know, the wanting to feel accepted and a part of something, uh, uh, the attaboy, uh, and I, I don't, as a human being, you know what I'm saying, you desire all of those things. And when you don't have them, you know, I mean, you seek them out and I see, I sought them out and I just sought the wrong people. So what led you then to God? Tell us about that experience. After spending seven and a half years in prison uh, for uh, armed robbery and armed violence um, and being a part of that gang uh, for the most of my teen and uh, adult life, um, I, I came to a crossroad like Daniel in Alliance then. And it was just like God has set me down in, uh, in, a, in that space. And I, I began to ponder, you know, I said, like, what, what is the purpose of my life? Like, what's the reason for all of this? And then everything that my mom taught me and everything that she said to me, I had time and space to ponder them. And I decided that this is not the route I wanted to go. So I reverted back to what I was taught initially, which was the word of God, church and stuff like that. And I began to seek God while I was in prison. And then um, he revealed himself to me in so many ways, because when you're in prison, uh, you, to me, you're basically dead because you can't help or do anything for anybody. Uh, people don't, you, you know, you don't, you, you're not easy accessible and all that. And uh, I, it was a sense of helplessness, you know what I'm saying, like dead in there, you know? So um, everything that I desire and whatever my family was going through that I may have been able to handle when I was out there, I just prayed those things to God and he revealed himself to me through those prayers by the answering of those prayers. And then that's when things started to get real. I'm like, God really hears, he listens and he responds. Um, so I started to venture off to trying to read my Bible. You know what I'm saying? I had the, uh, the Gideon version of the Bible with the these and thousand those. And, oh, yes. <laughs> and not only that, I had a 10th grade education reading what is my forte. And it was just like, I, uh, I, I got so frustrated, but I was so thirsty to know God and to, you know what I'm saying? To experience, uh, uh, being in a relationship with him. And I just like was sitting on my bunk one night and my celly, I was on the top bunk, my celly was on the bottom bunk. And I was just, I just remember being so heartbroken because I felt like I want to know God, you know? And then uh, I started wailing on, uh, and cry, well, crying uh, on, on the top of the bunk because I wanted him to, and I started praying that he would open up my understanding and you know you don't cry in prison. That's that's a sign of weakness. But I didn't care. Probably not. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Uh, either or. But like when I start crying, I I tell everybody this too. It's, it's like a movie. It was like a tear fell out of my eye onto the pages of the Bible, and I could feel like this, woof, like you know what I'm saying, like on my face. 
And then I started reading the Bible again. It was just like, he just, he like totally opened up my understanding. I started, then I started reading from Genesis. I started, because I, I was in like somewhere in the middle of the Bible, then I started reading Genesis from the beginning. And I start to understand, like I started to see the, I never seen the salvation story in Genesis until that moment when he, that he opened my eyes. So I started seeing the Adam, Adam and the Eve, them covering themselves with leaves. That, that wasn't good enough. So God had to uh, kill an animal. Blood had to be shed for the remission of sin to cut for a covering, all that. And it was just like that, that it didn't even occur to me at all. You know what I'm saying? Until that, that silent prayer and that, that desire, you know what I'm saying, to know God and that tear that fell on that page. And it was just like, I'll never forget it. <laughs> what a powerful story. Oh, my goodness. Well, Natalie, you grew up in the church. Did you ever go through a rebellious stage against the doctrine that you were taught? No, um, <laughs> I would say my story is pretty much the exact opposite of James. Um, like you said in your intro, very different upbringings and um, you know, God still brought us together, but I did grow up in the church. Um, my dad worked at our church. Me and my siblings were all really close. We all went to Christian colleges. Um, but I do think because that's what I was exposed, exposed to all of my life, that it was kind of passed down to me. I believed because my parents believed and their parents believed. And, um, and so it wasn't until probably after I graduated high school, that my faith really became my own. And then obviously when I moved to Chicago after college, um, I was really, really naive in a lot of ways. I wanted to love and serve my community, but I learned a lot of things the hard way. And I think it was in that season that God really showed himself as real and present and, um, you know, my redeemer and my restorer. So I, I would say like my real encounters with the Lord um, probably happened post high school. Um, but no, I, I mean, I didn't really go through rebellious stage. My story is, is pretty boring. <laughs> I, you know, I, I followed the rules. No one has a boring story. Everybody's story is important. Come well, on. it got exciting <laughs> when I met James. I'll say that. <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> I bet it did. So Natalie, what drew you to help people who are struggling with poverty? I remember at a young age, um, being in church and we had like missionaries, um, that our church supported come and speak to us. And I always had a desire, um, you know, to serve those like the least of these and to love the least of these. Um, I went on mission trips growing up. And when I was in high school, I graduated early in order to go overseas to uh, Columbia, South America. And I was really trying to uh, pray about God, are you calling me to overseas missions? Um, and so while I was there, I really felt, felt confirmation and I had like this excitement because I was working in an English school and at the English school, they shared the gospel, but they also taught English. And I loved the behind the scenes of how, how to run that school, how to bring um, in students and how to make sure we pay the bills, but bring in funds to pay, you know, like I like the administrative part. And so because of that, um, I majored in business in college and while I was in Columbia, what I felt called to business, but I also knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing overseas long-term missions, um, but I could find that experience in my own backyard. And so um, I went to Olivet Nazarene University, just a suburb of Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and right after I graduated, I found a job 
in the North of Howard neighborhood where we are working now. And I was working with a nonprofit in the um, development department. And that's where I met James. So to answer your question, I think I always had a longing um, to help and serve low-income communities and build relationships with people that are different than myself. Talked about how it uh, helped you realize that you liked the business and administrative ends of things. But how did that experience shape your faith? That experience was a huge part in my faith journey because you see um, the spiritual world in a whole new um, way. In the in the U.S., we're very, I, well, I shouldn't put this on everybody, but a lot of our church culture is very closed-minded. And when we're in Colombia, I saw people slain in the spear. I saw demons cast out. I saw, you know, missionaries just standing on a bus and preaching the gospel and people being saved while on the bus driving to work. Um, and so you saw the urgency people had in sharing the gospel. And it was there that I was like, yeah, I need to bring this back home. We don't have this kind of excitement, this kind of realness. Like God is showing up in their everyday life in real ways and people are being healed right in front of my eyes. Um, and so that just opened my eyes in significant ways to see that it's not just you meet God on a Sunday morning at church and then you can pray before dinner. He's in our everyday life and wants to be involved in our everyday life. Um, so that was a really significant part in my faith journey. Tell us the story of how you two met. And was it difficult to reconcile your different backgrounds and faith experiences? How did that work? He's still reconciling. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's become more when you when we got married, it probably became more evident, and more clear how different we were. Um so do you want to share how we met? Well, I mean, I was, uh, uh, Nally was working for the not-for-profit. She uh, just uh, disclosed to you guys. I also was working for that not-for-profit, but I was a big bug exterminator. <laughs> it's an important job in the city of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And, and I also, like, I, I was doing a gang outreach at the time. So I hosted a, man, a men's Bible study in my two-bedroom apartment, you know, I said with about 30 gang members uh, talking about the love of Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel. And so so on the side, I was like, uh, I was doing that too as well. So our and good, good News Partners, the organization she was working for, was very aware of what I was doing in the community because it's right, right down the street from my house. And, uh, and, and like I said, I was hired on by them as well. But uh, I just walk in the office and I see Natalie, she'll give me a scripture or whatever. But uh, she was like my first interview, you know what I'm saying? Because she was in the development department. So they had called me, asked, well, Good News Party wanted to, uh, to interview me. And uh, Natalie was the person that they sent to interview me. So that's that's kind of like how we met. So she got the she got to hear my story of how I got from point A to point B to doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing. So that's initially how we met. And then like I have to go to the office and get my equipment and stuff like that. And I always walk past. Never looked at Natalie in that way at all. You know what I mean? Just just never did. I thought she was a 
a cool, hardcore believer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and and that that was that was more more what it was for me. And then you know I said like she used to. I was going through some real difficult times in my life, and then she would give me these scriptures like when I. Um, when I walked through sometime and it was very relative to what I was going through, you know what I'm saying? And encouraging and it kind of helped me through those things, whether she knew it at that time or not. So uh, I was kind of looking for those things when I came in to pick up my equipment or whatever. And then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, so nothing wasn't happening at that moment, but that's like the first time we, uh, was exposed to each other. So, yeah. I ran um, a jewelry class for girls at that time when I first moved and started working in the city and his daughters were in my jewelry class. So that's kind of how I got to know, um, you know, his kids and then also like where we um, connected as well. Yeah. Keep going. Like, so then how did you really get together? After, you know, so I got through going through my little issues, you know, I said like it just we became full circle. Uh to be honest, you know, what I said like I was I was going through a divorce, you know, what I mean, at the time. So, you know, what I said we was very I was very cautious and I, I'm thankful that I wasn't interested in Natalie like that at the time, you know. But like, um, you know, what I said like I was just trying to deal with my situation. And, and uh, I so just a year down the line, you know, what I said like a soul man that just like got interested in each other. And we always been kind of a part of each other's lives, but like we got kind of interested in each other relational wise emotions start to accumulate and stuff like that so we brought pastors and counselors in you know what i'm saying <laughs> to help us through that because she was uh she was kind of uh, uh a little familiar as, as time went on about my uh circ my circumstances and stuff like that so we need to bring some pastors in around that you know what i'm saying to make sure that we was doing what god wanted us to do regardless of the situation so yeah mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's the way I interpret it. And I think growing up, um, you know, I always had a desire to be doing ministry with my husband. And I know, like my mom always says, she knew my life was going to be different than the normal suburban girl, but she didn't know it was going to be this different. <laughs> so I always knew that, you know, like my life was, was going to be outside of the box, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, speaking of the podcast. Um, yes. Yeah, and so... It was it was attractive to me that there was a man loving the community um, that had a story, has a testimony, had a different, completely different life than I had, um, you know, and that I could see myself partnering with in the community. So as emotion, you know, as we started liking each other, um, that was like more and more attractive. And then we get married and everything. Wow, this is, you know, like what you think it's going to be is that and a lot more. So we've a lot the last um almost decade how do you share your faith with the young people in your community i mean i think a lot of it has to do with just how we live it's our lifestyle um the name of our organization is c24 7 father's arms ministries and we always say uh c which stands for christ 24 hours a day seven days a week it's a lifestyle it's not just a name that we call ourselves or a label it's how we live and so the first thing is just Loving our community, serving our community, being kind, being patient, living different than those in our community, because that will stand out. I can preach all day, but if my actions don't back up what I'm saying, then um, they'll fall short and there'll be a breakdown of trust. Um, so, I mean, 
one, carrying out the gospel by the way we live, but then also we do an after school program and, you know, doing Bible studies and just having dialogue and open conversation in a safe space where we can ask kids, um, you know, kind of tough questions. How does it feel to live in a neighborhood like this? How does it feel, you know, um, when you saw your your auntie get murdered in front of you, you know, bringing out some really hard issues. But then also, how does God meet you in that space? You know, how 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 have you seen God working in your journey, even in the heartbrokenness and the pain that you've experienced? And so trying to bring um, God and his love and care and purpose behind everything that we do and everything that we talk about, we incorporate how he is working and he's in the midst of it. Because without that, then then there's no purpose in, in hardship. And that's very hopeless. So in the, in the beginning, in Genesis, God desired a relationship with his creation, uh, humankind. And we pride ourselves on relationship building. So it's not necessarily about programming. It's about building relationships with the men, women, and children in our community. And what comes with that is their burdens, their trials, their tribulation, you know what I'm saying, uh, put on our shoulders to carry with them. You know what I mean? So like that's what C24 really prides itself on, relationship building from, uh, from a gospel standpoint. James and Natalie, you have nine children. It's a lot of children. How do they impact your life and, and shape your faith? Well, I mean, in multiple ways. A lot of times you see yourself and your children, and sometimes God reveals things that you need to deal with in your life through your children. So, like, uh, on a positive note, you know what I'm saying, remind me of the person that I am in Christ Jesus, you know, vulnerable, you know what I'm saying, open, you know what I'm saying, receptive. Um, yeah, and then on the other hand, you know what I'm saying, it, it re, uh, reveals my sin nature, which you can find very, very early in the child's behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like telling them a thousand times, don't do this, don't do that. And they do, they do it anyway. And it's just like, so that's how they shape my faith. I feel like, like about the Bible said, like out, out, out of the mouth of babes, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think like it's to learn and raising kids and a closer that draws you closer to God and help purifies you as the man, man or woman of God. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and I would just add, um, I think parenting is one part, you know, of our um, marriage that we've had to figure out and that we're currently still figuring out. Like we're trying to figure out how we work together in ministry and how we're coworkers. We're trying to figure out how to be a good husband and wife to each other. And then we're also trying to figure out how to parent how to parent teens and young adults as well as young kids. Cause we have kind of like two generations of kids living in our house. And so that brings a whole nother dynamic. And so because of all of those things happening in our marriage, um, each one of them draws us to our knees in desperation for the Lord to speak to us and guide us and how to do in everything that we do, how to do it in wisdom and grace and discernment. Um, and so I think, um, parenting has been a joy for me. It's it's brought a sense of joy and smile and laughter into the household when everything else around us is pretty heavy and chaotic. Um, but our kids, you know, keep us on the light note. Well, the young kids especially keep us, you know, lighter and and playful 
And that's very healthy for us and, and what we do in the neighborhood. And it's the hope for the future as well. I mean, it's kind of cool to see too, like my eldest son, he had to come back. Uh, he fell on some hard times. So he had to come live with us again for uh, for a season. And um, just he comes to uh, my men's group uh, as, as as well as my uh, my other son, uh, Jeremiah. He's 17. And just to see how fluent they are in the word of God, because like uh, I used to have weekly Bible studies with my children, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and it's just it's like they so they like looked up to bad men that's older than them and probably should be more experienced or wiser than them. And these men look up to them because they're so fluent in the word of God. They understand, they interpret it well. So that's that's been a blessing to me, you know what I'm saying, to see my boys uh, following out the, and understanding and bathing in the word of God and uh, really trying to understand and, and, and desire that relationship with God. So, yeah. I think it's been a really sweet blessing and opportunity to bring our kids into the ministry with us. You know, they get to experience what we do and they get to um, hopefully learn how to have a heart, you know, for these communities and a heart of grace and, and love and compassion. Um, and so I think that that's a real blessing. They get to experience all different kinds of cultures, all different kinds of people at a young age. Um, and that's a gift because, you know, that's that, that's a lot of wisdom that you gain through those experiences. James and Natalie, thank you for letting us walk with you on your faith journey. And to our listeners, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review and most importantly, tell your friends. Go to gcbm.org for all the links. Faith Outside the Box is a production of the Greater Chicago Broadcast Ministries, a communications ministry of the Protestant, Orthodox, and Episcopal Churches of Greater Chicago in cooperation with the Council of Religious Leaders. I'm your host, Jan Engmeyer. May peace be with you.